Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Bards of War Filmmaker Commentary. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Tuesday, October 3rd in the year 2023. Just a little bit ago, we aired the Bards of War Fighting is Everything film. And we filmed it on, we aired it on a number of channels, YouTube, Rumble, Resistance Chicks aired it on Rumble and Facebook. And we're just going to kind of go over this film tonight, which I think is very appropriate for the hour in which we live. It's interesting how... I've delayed releasing this film and it just seemed right to do. And as I've kind of reflected on this and we've had feedback from others, it's very appropriate that there is a message in this that is much deeper and greater than the film. And that's really what we're going to zero in on tonight. And it's really a time that we have to reconsider a lot of where we stand, what direction we're going and what it's going to take as a nation to reset ourselves in a very critical time when the very things that we used to think so highly of are now being destroyed before our very eyes. Before we get going tonight, one thing that's absolutely clear is that we are in a war, and that war is trying to take away our sovereignty, it's trying to do everything it can to dismantle our lives, and part of that war, they're going to use the tools that they have at hand, and one of those things is, is food. Food warfare is an, the, one of the oldest forms of warfare, and it's one of the things that our institutional elite, pedophile, psychopathic elite are using as a weapon of war against the people. We've seen it happen all over the place. It's from weather consequences to the food supply chains breaking to the processing factories being burned down. And you need to be prepared because things are moving at a rapid rate and there is a good chance that we're going to see something very dramatic and you don't want to be left unprepared. So if you head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. You're going to find the three-month emergency food kits available there by My Patriot Supply. They are the number one, they are the nation's number one supplier of emergency food kits. And you wanted to get one for every member of your family. These are a baseline for any food emergency plan that you have. Emergency food like this lasts for up to 25 years on the shelf. They're mobile, they're ready to use. And anytime you need them, all you have to do is open them and go. They are 2,000 calories a day with a variety of flavors, which makes them fantastic. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, and you're ready to go. All right, Patriots, tonight's film was filmed in 2006. It was part of my embed, which is when I first went to Afghanistan as the first citizen journalist to be, to be allowed into the Department of Defense embed program. Now, that was a, in itself was just really a hand of God how that even happened, but it did. And it was a, a massive, massive result of success from the standpoint of storytelling. The, what we were dealing with then was the idea, I should say, that I was targeting to do was to set up and tell the story from the soldier's eyes. That is the soldier's story. And 
This is so important because what we were getting, what we continue to get from the optics of work always come from the mainstream media. And it was pretty, pretty clear that the legacy media was failing at its job. So I spent 15 months in all in that embed. And that covered a whole range from 2006 to 2007. Never came home, stayed there the whole year, moved around the entire country, and which then set the foundation for what I did years on. Afghanistan is, as they say, the, the graveyard of empires. And it's no different for us at this point in time. But we, what we really need to look back at is where we were as a mindset of a people. The unfortunate part about the story in Afghanistan is every one of us was behind that war at one point or another. I shouldn't say everyone. I'm sure there were people that were not. But the majority of the nation stood behind that war. And what happened in that war is that we jumped to a conclusion without taking a breath. As we watched the Twin Towers get attacked, and we watched one of the biggest psyops placed upon the United States and the world in human history. That was a war initiated by an inside job that used nanothermite and other methods to tear down two buildings and others and to blame it on a handful of would-be terrorists that came apparently from a bunch of dirt caves in Afghanistan that learned how to fly, to apparently fly planes into a building. All of it was a lie. And from that, we precipitated a series of events that have left a carnage across the world and sadly devastated cultures and left blood rifts that are going to take generations to heal. And that's ultimately where this is going tonight. Our soldiers are not going to be the ones that carry this blame. But what we do have to work on is separating not only the soldier from the damage that was done, but starting to put the vector on those that were truly at the center of this crime. So I want to roll back real quickly to Vietnam. And in Vietnam, what we saw was an awakening of a public that understood that those wars that we were fighting were nonsense. They were driven by the military industrial complex and that we were being drugged into an endless fighting just to kill, maim, injure, destroy, all for the sake of whatever we were doing, including the building of new industries of war. The problem is that when soldiers came home, the idea of the war being wrong got turned on them, and it was horrific, and it ended up doing exactly as those in power would hope that it would do. It created deeper rifts and deeper divides within our nation. Wars have always been and will always be designed to conquer, to divide and conquer, and to leave generational scars and blood on the ground that generates blood rifts and deep ties that are hard to separate from. We move forward then into Iraq, and we see the same garbage go on in Iraq 1. And again, a, a nation that is going to be inclined because it's easy to sell the idea of an evil empire trying to take us down, which in itself is a bit nonsensical when you consider Iraq, Iran, etc. But each of these cases, in Iraq 1, we went to the defense of Kuwait. Why? Apparently because of oil. More likely, and what is, what is more, much more likely is it was again about currency and other things that they wanted to exploit from the country of Iraq. And we lost a lot of people some people, not a lot, some people, we didn't get into the mess of it until after 2001. 
on September 11th, 2001, our nation was thrown into some of the deepest, 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 deepest pits of hell we've ever imagined because what happened against us was an insider job that launched our country into a spiral and everyone willingly got behind it. And I own it because I was like everyone else rooting for that war. And we ended up giving away most of our rights to the Patriot Act. And we were launched a war that became an endless war that lasted until just a few years ago or a year ago or so. We have dumped billions of dollars into Afghanistan. We have spent billions on the private contracting industry and the military industrial complex. The CIA has had a rampant run in Afghanistan, taking advantage of opium and turning a blind eye to anything critical like child sex trafficking. Our net zero impact over there was, we had a net zero impact, if not worse, because what we ended up doing was causing more harm in the end than good. And that's, that's a summation of the, over the overall of the war. But with that, we have the soldier on the ground. And this is literally what we've been looking at in this film. The film you watch tonight, which is now out there on YouTube, it's out there on Rumble. The film you watched was a film done intentionally, filmed the way I did, to give you a first-hand optic of what war was like. And from the feedback I'm getting, which I've had before, so it's not new, but I'm pleased to say that is the experience people were having. This particular segment of this film, there's another one coming probably in the fall. I'll probably be longer than that, considering my time. This is fall. <laughs> I think you remember where we are. It'll be next year. But this was with the Canadian PPCLI, Princess Patricia's Light Infantry. And what you saw there is it would be consistent with anything in the American, American groups. Footage like that is very rare. And it just so happened that's how it came about. And I can say honestly that God, I've always said, God led me onto that to get there. I didn't. So we're clear when I filmed with them, all I carried was a camera and my backpack of gear. There was, I never carried a firearm. My mission was to do what I did, which is to take as much or more risk that they did in order to tell the story necessary so that their truth could be told. But there's a lot of things in that film that need to be looked at closely. And again, we have to begin with a deep self-reflection. Because we can see Afghanistan from a pretty clear optic right now. The question is, how did we get there? And it's the same question we need to be asking about COVID. Because the fear that drove Afghanistan is the same fear that drove us into COVID. And I'm telling you, we don't seem to be learning our lessons well. Because to have 2001 nearly take our nation down, but do it by virtue of launching an attack on another nation, that kept our optics away from us. We were able to throw that at somebody else and not have to look inside. But when we come to COVID, it's the same motivation. It's a government that we can't trust. And it's a government telling us what to do. And it's a government fanning the flames of fear. And it's a people willingly complying to the insanity. Our soldiers, though, are the ones that really have suffered probably the heaviest damage. And why this is, as a nation, we have our job to do to repent, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But our soldiers are, were those willing to give their lives and sacred honor for their nation 
not realizing, maybe not being able to see, you can frame it any way you want, that our government was so deeply corrupt that it was using their trust and their valor for the sole purpose of gains for their benefit and destruction economically of the United States. And this is where things get complicated. Because from a soldier's point of view, and I can speak that, this really strips away a lot of identity, meaning, and sacrifice. And it hurts a lot. Because soldiers were lost. Fellow brothers were died. People were wounded, maimed. PTSD was given as a result. And so it's not just a flippant thing to say, well, we shouldn't have been in that war. The fact is that we were in that war. And it wasn't just the soldiers. It was a nation. As a nation, we didn't say no. We said yes. And our soldiers did exactly what our soldiers would do in a yes. They put it all on the line. Unfortunately, it was the wrong line. It was a corrupted line. And even worse than that, as we learn more about our government, we could argue that those that they served had always been part of a dark satanic cult, which I will stand by. The damage that has been done is deep. And it's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take deliverance. And it's going to take repentance to break it. And soldiers, I'm going to speak to anybody who was a soldier in Afghanistan and Iraq for that matter. But tonight we're on the focus of Afghanistan. But the two wars were ran side by side. And I want to start by saying this. The Americans, the American and, Americans and the world, because of the age of media, have had an opportunity to witness in war some of the greatest acts of valor, courage, and selfless fight. But as the film detailed in numerous interviews, it doesn't come down to a nation state. It always comes down to the person to your right and to your left, your brother. And this is how distorted this game of war plays by the elites. Because they know that's exactly what you're going to do. They know very well that once the bullets start, you're going to defend and fight and kill that enemy. Even if it's not an enemy. Because you're going to go home alive. And you're going to take your brother home alive with you. This is how we get so screwed up in humanity. Now, I'm, going to, I'm not sitting here waving the flag as a peacenik. I'm going to tell you that I've learned a lot in war the hard way. And some learned it a heck of a lot harder than me. And what we've seen over in war, it's destruction. But when you're in that place of having to fight something to stay alive, anything becomes an enemy. This film has a number of detailed spots in it that are very critical to listen to and pay attention to. In the second fighting scene, there's an old man. And the old man is harangued pretty hard and taken down pretty hard. That old man wasn't a Taliban. That old man was simply out trying to do the Muslim thing to find the bodies to make sure they were buried by a certain, whatever it is, 24 hours. So that in their belief, they could go to heaven. And in that scene, and this is not criticism, but it's, you, you have to watch to understand how stupid war gets. Soldiers are screaming at him in English when he can't speak anything as if screaming louder is going to help him hear better. 
This is the insanity of war. There is an image that still sits in my head, which is very unfortunate I wasn't able to grab it. But after that scene right there, we went on in, into the compound. We'd had a long day that day. And it had been really drugged through a lot of stuff, as you can see through the scenes. And when I went into the compound, I, did a, I took one last segment of film before my camera died. And I had, it was, when I say died, it fried. I had to end up getting a replacement, which unfortunately I carried a couple with me. But I didn't have it in my pack. And as I stepped out of that, inside the compound, and I walked forward, I saw the old man. He was sobbing. Because what, had just taken, what they had taken from him was his integrity, his morality, and his manhood. And there's no, take, there's no giving that back. He was innocent. And one can callously say, well, it's in, the, it's in the fog of war. But that's just it. It was a foggy war, meaning we never really knew who the enemy was. And so in the crosshairs of all things, everything becomes suspect. The irony of that is that's what we're suffering through now. In a surveillance state, in a tyranny, we don't know who to trust, and they see all of us as enemy. The tables have a funny way of turning. One of the statements made in that film was that a comment by Ben, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but Ben made the comment that he didn't want to come back, he didn't want to be here for 15 years. And yet, here we were 15 years later almost, still in that darn war. It's the endless war. And this is a place where war is ugly. And it isn't to say that we don't fight evil, but we never fought the right evil. The evil in Afghanistan were the pedophiles, and they were everywhere. The evil in Afghanistan... Or the warlords who traffic kids. It's called Bachabas. Hazara, Hazara boys that are found attractive, that are traded, sometimes taken from the family without choice, sold on the open market and housed and kept as sex slaves for the pleasure of filthy, nasty warlords. And they were off limits for the most part. And so this is where we start to create the internal conflict of what the real war was and the damage that causes when you fight something wrong and you know it's wrong and the burdens you have to carry. From the standpoint of warfare, tactics, precision, executing that high adrenaline thing, I'm not going to tell you there aren't bad guys out there but I'm going to tell you there's a whole bunch that aren't. And there were a whole bunch that weren't. They were damaged or killed. And that's the brutality of this war, these types of wars. War in general, for that matter. But this one in particular, because your enemy doesn't have a uniform. The enemy hardly has an ideology, except one. Taliban, for the most part, were just... There's two types of Taliban, just to be clear. There was the Taliban that was backed by ISI, which is the Pakistani intelligence organization. And then there was a religious Taliban in Afghanistan. The two didn't, were not the same. 
And as we study the history of Afghanistan, we start to realize just how convoluted that bowl of soup is. And it was. It's a cultural stew. And it was, I knew, I can tell you this firsthand because I operated at that level all the time engaging with people, trying to understand what their nuances were, trying to figure out what their language nuances were, trying to understand the difference between one tribe and one another tribe. We went to a village at one point in southern Afghanistan. We sat in one village. I looked across the way I could see another, and neither of those villages had talked to each other for over 50 years. This is a sort of crazy world that that war was. Soldiers thrust in to do the right thing, whatever that was but told that it was going to make a difference for the safety of the United States. That we were preventing future terrorist strikes by going there. All the while, back home, the real terrorists were incubating their next plan. So where I'm going to sit with this tonight, and it's, I don't, you know, I have no idea where people are at. And if you were expecting me to come on and talk about the film as some great heroic event, that's not on my docket anymore. And if you're going to hear me talk about great soldiers, yes, I will. I'm also going to talk about how much I love these soldiers and what we need to do to support them to help reestablish our nation. This is a really painful wound that every one of us bears blood on. And no one's excused. The footage like this is adrenaline-driven. It's cool footage. I won an Emmy for some of that footage in that film. And you can pat yourself on the back and say, great photography, which it was and is. But the bottom line is, it was still an ugly war that was unnecessary and led by a satanic cult of pedophile freaks that drove our nation into the pit and killed way too many people on both sides and left many maimed for life. That's part of the unforgivable sin. The guy that I mentored under in photography, his name was David Leeson. He was a Pulitzer Prize winner from Iraq one, and later was part of a second Pulitzer Prize in Iraq two. David was a hard mentor to work with, but he was good. He drilled me and pushed me hard. And as a result of the work that he did with me, it became possible for me to raise to a level of excellence, to literally be awarded an Emmy and nominated for a Peabody 15 months after that embed, noting that before then I had never done a professional assignment. That's good mentorship. He and I had a major conflict on some personal and moral issues that separated us and we've never talked again. And that has to do with things I'm not going to get into on this show. But as a photographer, one of the best in the world. And as an understanding of how it is to capture an image, you won't work. I couldn't have worked with a finer mind on that level. And I bring all this into place because he used to say something to me. His pursuit of photography and photojournalism was the pursuit of the one image that would stop war. And so I've thought about this a lot tonight as this film played. And I've really realized that that's the purpose of this film. A deeper purpose. Not to encourage war. Not to get the pats on the back on the great cool shots. 
I remember them. I feel them to this day. But instead, this film is about healing. This film is about awakening to what we've done, to owning it before the throne, and helping our soldiers be set free. We have the, the finest men and women that serve in uniform. And when you put them in a position to ask them to sacrifice their lives, even in a war like this, they will do it. Because that's their duty. And I think about this a lot and ask myself, my gosh, what would it be if every Christian had that level of martyrdom in their heart? But we do this well as a nation. We outsource our defense. We outsource everything so that we cannot have to confront the reality of the enemy that sits within our walls and haunts us and hunts us every day. So this next level here is for a nation that literally needs to take itself before the throne and pray for forgiveness and seek repentance for a war that we supported that had no purpose other than to destroy a culture and to kill and maim and create blood rifts with the Middle East and the Muslim culture that would hopefully in the elite's eyes carry on forever. We won that war in the first six weeks. We didn't even have to do a thing. And it took 500, approximately 565 people to do it. Special forces and some CIA wonks and a little bit of Air Force cover. And that war was won. Minimal casualties, we could have been in and out and home. But that's not the way war plays in America. The big army, backed by the military-industrial complex, had to get their feet in that damn war. And moving forward, they had to start going and building infrastructure, building their war machine, and going at it so that they could get their piece of the pie. It was money. If you look at the net gain on this, it is literally worse than zero. We walked out of that place. We left all the equipment and armor. We abandoned people and we handed the keys over to the Chinese to get whatever minerals were there, like rare earth minerals and copper. So there's not even anything, not that I would support it, but there's not anything gained out of what the efforts for our blood that we shed. And worse yet, they tried to pin that failure on one of the greatest generals we've ever had, General Scott Miller. They tried. They failed, but they tried. The corrupt elite and the politicians that run these wars do so to destroy, to maim, and to injure for generations and to leave the curse literally in a spirit realm. It, just, it will linger. It's part of their own sacrifices. I, could, I don't know where this is going to sit. I'm going to be very honest. It's not like I sat today and called people I deeply respect who have fought over there. I'm just speaking from my heart and where I sit. And what hits me hard is that soldiers are lingering in a space, a memory, an echo of having done things for someone they served that didn't serve the real God. We have soldiers with PTSD. And some of it is stimulated by, PTSD is often stimulated by the memories of war and conflict. But I am of a belief that PTSD is deeper than that. 
It's having done the wrong thing and knowing it deeply inside of you. And it's not that the action was necessarily wrong, but whom you served was. And I think that's what racks people at the spiritual realm, at the spiritual level. And I don't think it's easy to let go. This fight that we're in right now is a fight that has its roots in a national stupidity of things like Afghanistan. When I say COVID was the same, it is. A nation lost its collective mind again over a, an, an announcement of an invisible enemy that was apparently sweeping through the ranks. and We never saw it or even asked the right questions. And the people that were asking the right questions, just like 2001, were shunned and kicked aside. The ones that were saying, it's not a virus, it's 5G. We're no different than those saying it doesn't add up. This wasn't an attack on towers. This was rigged from the inside. They were shunned, cast out, called truthers, and a variety of other things. And the collective public went along with the national narrative lie. So on one hand, the nation does need to own this. Not on one hand. I mean, it's right before us. The first step is the nation has to own this. It was fun to sit back and watch the video game plays of Iraq and Afghanistan and the various things that they did over there. But the real visceral fight over there cost lives, it cost marriages, and it left both sides maimed. So as a nation, there's no question we have to repent. And we have to seek forgiveness for being part of something that was so deeply criminal, acrid, and horrible. And even that, like the, the blood, the blood rifts that it's created. I've had too many engagements on this. And I will tell you, and this is going to be a hard pill for some people to swallow, but I want you to hear it. I know that there are many of us who have had interpreters that have worked by our side that were Muslim. My, I helped my interpreter come here with his family. He's now working for LinkedIn in the Bay Area. He had no education when he came here, put himself through a GED program, put himself through a community college program, put himself through a college program, now is working for a good salary at LinkedIn. In the meantime, he supported his family by driving Lyft and doing whatever other jobs he could do to earn a little bit of money. He didn't get much help in the federal government because of the program he was on didn't provide much. So essentially... He just did the American dream. He saved my life on a number of times, really saved my life. And what I'm about to say is going to be uncomfortable for people that have generalized and stereotyped people by religion. I would take him over many people I have met in this nation because I think he's a better American. Because he was willing to sacrifice, not for his country, but for a foreigner he saw that was sacrificing for his. That's a pretty big one. I've seen the best, the war that brings, what I've seen is that how war brings out the best in people and it brings out the worst. And the command structure in the war was so screwed up. There's a story of a special forces operator, a couple of them in fact, one of which shot an Afghan national police officer 
for raping a child. That special forces soldier ended up being charged for murder. That was under Obama. So I want to be very clear that the real enemy that we should have been fighting over there and still should be were the pedophiles and the freaks, but they were protected. And instead, we waged war against, I don't know who, sometimes it was a terrorist, I guess. And many times we just didn't know. It was whoever was picking up a gun. But the irony is, wouldn't you do the same? If someone was invading your country, would you do the same? Probably. That isn't to say that weren't, bad guys weren't removed, because there were some. But I can tell you a story, an exact story, working with the Special Forces team down near Panjue in the south when the CIA came in and did a nab and grab that night. The two guys that they took were two sons from a family. They weren't high-level operators for the Taliban. They were low-level operators just trying to get some people to dig a hole and put an IED in the ground, I guess. But here's the irony of it. Those guys had been working with the special forces teams. They were helping stabilize the village. The CIA decided they needed to get them for literally digging a hole. And it disrupted an entire bit of months of work by the special forces teams to try to bring peace and stability to the ground. This is how crazy that war was. And the old man, which was their father, who had lost a leg, was walking around on crutches. I had him filmed. When I say that I filmed him, because I filmed his interview because it was so unbelievable. He had no way of making a living anymore, and overnight he lost his ability to survive and was now on the street. That's the echoes of war. War does crazy things. In the film tonight, you heard a man talk. I mentioned him earlier. He said he talked about being there for 15 years. His name is Ben. And we were in the ambush, in the last scene in the ambush. Ben, who had been reading the Bible since he arrived in Afghanistan, was called to go join his brothers, which had been split off of the, off of the main group. I went high, they went low, and they went into the field. And as Ben jumped over to join them, he was given a word that he'd be safe. And his bullets were flying around him. As he told me, he said, I realized God had me at that moment in time. Now, faith was new to Ben. And he joined his team, and they fought back, and they all came home alive. All of us did, fortunately. But that moment changed Ben. And though he was there for all for the fight, and talking about how back home people don't really deserve an answer to know why he fought or if he killed somebody, the fact of the matter is that when Ben got back, once he got out of the military, he went to seminary and became a pastor up in Ontario. Still is there today. War changes you. We need to help our soldiers come home. We need to help our soldiers be freed from these legacies that are literally spiritually going to bind them. But it's more than that. The real fight now, the, the result of this war is where we are. We've now seen the true betrayal of our own command in our military. They have used that trust again to have these soldiers deeply 
permanently compromised with an injection that they've been given and mandated to take. And at this point in time, we have a military that is dysfunctional and been destroyed from within. The loyalty to command that the soldiers give was now exploited as the loyalty to the people was exploited in the previous wars. And this ultimately sits on our shoulders because we continue to give appropriate, inappropriate, is what I need to say, inappropriate duty and support and belief in our government that is highly corrupted, degenerate, and probably at its best, and designed specifically to ensure that wars persist to keep their sacrificial nonsense going and to degrade a nation and keep it enslaved. So, we're going to do some prayers tonight, but I want to frame some things. And I'm going to speak to the soldiers now, for those that served, and I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me from my heart. You did a great job of your duty and service, but it was betrayed, and you were betrayed like we were just now. And where we need you is in a militia to defend the people and the Constitution, not walking on foreign lands to kill people that never put their foot on ours. What we need you for now is to serve a nation to protect the children, to shut down this child sex trafficking, to shut down our border flow, and to rise with the people to take our nation back. We need you to become the Constitutional Republic militia, not the deep state exportable army to go take down nations and kill innocents. I'm not judging anything anybody's done over there because in the middle of war, we do what we do to survive and you do it because you do it for the man on your right and your left and God bless you for doing it. I mean that because you're here in your home and you're alive. But I am going to put this on you as I've had to put it on myself. And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to repent for what you have done. To free yourself from that burden. I'm going to ask you to walk back in your loving Christ. And I want you to visualize the conflicts you were in. And I want you to undo them in your mind with Jesus walking next to you. I want you to rewrite those stories so instead of pain, they become stories of love. Not easy. And I'm not telling you necessarily every way it has to be done. And I want you to free yourself from the bondages of wars that ultimately we were all betrayed on. To step into something new. The militias that we need to fight and defend this nation. Because right now, The outcome of this war and previous wars is we don't even have a functional military. It's getting to that point, I should say. Not easy. And not an easy thing to do. And as for the people listening, I want you to pray for our soldiers because we owe them a repentance. We owe them that. 
because our soldiers were willing to sacrifice their lives for a criminal war, and we said nothing. We cheered it on. These are the best of America. They've shown their hearts of what they're willing to do for you. And we didn't stand up at the right time. We didn't speak out loud enough when we knew there was something wrong with 9-11. We knew it. And we didn't get loud enough when these wars kept going on and on. We just pushed over more troops and believed more lies. We went around and did our pizza parties and whatever else we did. America sat by and went to their baseball games and their football games and did their things while teams kept going over and over. Marriages were getting ruptured because the deployment pace was unbelievable. Families couldn't sustain. Soldiers committed suicide and still do. The stress was beyond imagination. And America went on like a normal day. That isn't just. And that's a, that's a real truth that America carries. I'm not asking for anybody to forgive the actions that were done upon them in the way of saying there will be no justice. We're going to, we need to go through a process of forgiving and repenting so that we can hand over true justice for the true evil that was behind this and hand it to God. And in the process, do something greater. We have to free ourselves from the burdens, the sins, the blood, the things that were done in the past, to unburden the shoulders, hand it over to God, and step into something new that will make this country great again. And that is the militias that were designed to be of we the people. And we have the talent, we have the people to do it, and we have the glory and valor of the soldiers to, to lead it. But this is a difficult walk. And I, like I say, I have no idea, just so we're clear, I, I prayed on this tonight, and I'm like, I'm just going to speak my heart. I might have people screaming at me tomorrow, telling me I'm some sort of peacenik betrayer, and I'm okay, because I know where I'm sitting with God. And I also know where my heart is, because I love our soldiers. I love them deeply. I respect everything they did and had to do. But this is not the same. This is a helping of a walk, because I do love who they are so much, and we owe them that every one of us. We owe them the gracious hand to pray with them. We owe them to take the step, the lead, to repent for our part and to seek forgiveness for being part of such a criminal machine that cost so many lives that so many never had to shed blood for. We had a, at Bard's Fest, I was given two things. One from Cam Hamilton, a flag that he carried, the last flag he carried in combat. A second gift came from Corey Terry, a green beret. I don't speak any of these words in betrayal of those men. I speak these words in love for these men and all of them like them that know what it's like to lose brethren, to know what it's like to be away from their families, to know what it's like to have to be on the line every day and not know whether you're coming home alive. And it's one thing to have to do that when you're doing something for righteousness and nobility of cause. 
But when we stick down to the raw of this and we realize how deeply corrupt this government was, it's a hard pill to carry. And I don't want any of them to have to carry it alone. We as a nation carry it together. So it's time that we do the prayers to start setting people free. And I'm just going to put this out here at the end. Any soldier out there, if you're dealing with heavy weights of the past, if you're struggling with this conversation tonight, if you are struggling with suicide, just email me, scott at bardsfm.com. We may not agree on everything, but I will guarantee you, brother, I will pray for you. I will pray with you. I will guide you and help you find a place home and a joy and lifting of your heart to step into the love of Christ. That I assure you. So patriots, let's pray. Father God, I come to you tonight with a very heavy burden of a war that we have fought and wars that we have fought endlessly for a cause that was manufactured and worse part of a cult ritual to continue the blood sacrifice of your children against each other. This goes right back to Abel and Cain. And it takes us to the garden of the betrayal. Father, tonight we're praying and we put ourselves before the throne as a nation of who listens and has the will and the heart to do so, to ask forgiveness for this ground that we walked before, these wars that we fought and Father, we extend our hands tonight to every soldier that served to, off, to lift off these burdens, to let them know that the respect and love we extend to them fully, and now to pray with them, and to walk with them as we as a nation seek repentance for these wars. Father, we pray for the breaking of chains, the binds that hold us to this past. And together we walk back this time with Jesus to revision these times and places to see a different outcome. To let Jesus heal these moments, the moments of pain and disruption, to let Christ walk with us to heal that with his blood, to turn the bitterness of memory into the sweet smell of roses, and to release us from the bondage of the past. Father, as a nation, we're now being judged, and we're being judged heavily while we continue to turn a blind eye to the critical and real wars that would matter to kingdom. And so tonight we pray as well for the awakening of the soldier's heart and for those who have served the release from the past to step into the new, to start forming the things we need, like militias, step into a time and a place where the effort of the warrior, the warrior class that has proven itself so magnificent in war, now truly takes on the wars of kingdom that matter. To now fight those that seek to harm the little ones. To seal up the border and stop the sex trafficking. To uproot, pursue, and destroy the satanic cults. And ultimately to bring those children home that have been trafficked, sexualized, abused, or ritually murdered, or ritually abused, potentially murdered. 
This is what wars hide. And this, Father, is what also binds to an evil when these things are done and soldiers are left with burdens that they have to carry alone. So this prayer tonight is also to uplift that burden, to let them, let every soldier know you are not alone, that we carry this as a nation. We pray with you as a nation. We seek repentance as a nation. And now we also refocus our efforts to fight the right fight, to reform into the right form, to stand too against the true enemy that unfortunately has been sitting within our walls, has infiltrated into our government, has infiltrated into our schools, has infiltrated into our military, and it now needs to be purged. This is the true war in the flesh and in the spirit. And so we have to begin that fight truly in the spirit to wage war against the fortresses, to tear down the fortresses and cut the strings that bind We pray upon this, Father, with the mightiness of all the tools of heaven can wage to wield the sword of love that is mightier than the sword of steel and to confront the spiritual enemies with decisiveness and and no compromise to set many free so that the war in the flesh leads to a peace and a destruction of the pure evil while separating those that are consumed by evil from the evil itself. Guide us, Father, in this hour. Let this film be anointed with a message that's deeper. Let people see in it the contradictions that occur. Let them hear the echoes of the past and remind themselves that we were trapped and enslaved. Let the film be reminding a reminder of us to remember how easily we were blinded and how willfully we were willing to sacrifice our own to go fight on foreign lands. And may the film be anointed to leave people uneasy, to have a first eyewitness and account of war, to get a taste for what the few had to do while the many sat on the side. This is a time of truth, Father. Whatever that truth looks like to some, truth is truth, and it doesn't come in an easy pill. But at the end of the day, we as a nation have to confront what has happened to us and what we were willfully part of. And that's part of this hour, Father, and that's what we pray. To face the truth, to find our place before the throne, to repent for what we were part of that was evil, to pray for those that sacrificed for us, to lift up those that are now trying to work through this, and as a nation come together to understand that the true enemy was never there. It was here within our walls. Thank you, Father. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Patriots, a bit of a somber show, but one that's real and necessary. When you see a soldier that is served, pray for them. Ask them to join you. Share with them the heart of a warrior in Christ and help them come home. We need them. We don't need them over there. And I don't mean that physically. I mean spiritually. This was a real sacrifice on a nation. It was amazing betrayal by our government and the people within. 
and it has led us to an infinite cycle of war that as brutal as Afghanistan was to stop, at least, at least it has stopped. But the casualties even to the end are unbelievable. They were able to walk out of it because it was a sham from the beginning. And they never had any intention of doing the right thing. And for those that did do the right thing, and there are many in war that did, you know how hard it was to fight to do that. That's it. That's it for tonight. But it's time as a nation we grew up. Put on our big boy pants and face the music. Because in doing that, going having the truth and honesty, no more secrets, to stand before the throne, take what's ours to own, repent, we as a nation, we can begin to heal. And we as a nation will start to hear the voice of God once again. And we as a nation will find God more gracious as we step forward to truly confront this real evil. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning. For bended knee until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. 
not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 